Beyond the Challenges is a podcast where executives in the insurance and financial services industry share their insights and experiences. Hosts Kevin and Sandy Doherty talk with today's top business leaders about what keeps them up at night and the biggest opportunity organizations can capitalize on today. We encourage you to listen, share, and subscribe to our program. Kevin and Sandy Doherty each have over 20 years of experience in insurance and financial services, corporate leadership, and executive search. They are the owners of Global Corporate Solutions and Global Corporate Leaders. Global Corporate Solutions partners with organizations to gain efficiencies and contain costs. Global Corporate Leaders partners with organizations to enhance and evaluate talent. Beyond the Challenges podcast is sponsored by Exactuals, perfecting payments and the data driving them, Techficient, transforming the protection journey with intelligent data and machine learning to drive better outcomes, and Journey Guide, improving your clients' retirement outcomes through interactive planning software. Welcome to Beyond the Challenges. Here are your hosts, Kevin and Sandy. Today, we're talking with Brandon Carter, president at USAA Life, about the trends, challenges, and opportunities he sees for the insurance industry. Brandon is leading the strategy to digital transformation for their health, life, and retirement companies, and is focused on preserving USAA's legendary service and commitment to its 13 million members, while enhancing financial strength and employee engagement. Brandon, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the insurance industry? Well, happy to and happy to be here and be on this podcast. So I I actually will celebrate my 25th anniversary at USA on July 7th uh, coming up next year. It's also the 100th birthday for USAA. So uh, it's a big celebration month in June and into July. I joined USAA right out of college. And uh, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, and wanted to work for the really big company off Fredericksburg Road and and got that opportunity about 18 months after I graduated from college. So I started as a life insurance representative on the phones, talking to members between 20 and 30 times a day about their needs for life insurance. And I have been honored to uh, serve our members for the last uh, about a quarter of a century. Wonderful. Thanks, Brandon. All sectors face challenges, but for the insurance industry, the list seems to be especially long. Many carriers seem to be struggling to stay relevant, while others are embracing new technology, reimagining distribution channels, and developing strategic partnerships. What do you see as the future of distribution for the industry? Well, we definitely, USA, and, and I personally believe in the direct model. I think it is a very efficient model. And I think that as uh, customers and, and members think about their financial security, there is no arguing that their personal mobile device is with them throughout the day. And there is no doubt that they are engaging more through their mobile platforms as it relates to advice. So I believe that is uh, no doubt the future of where distribution will continue to occur. We at USAA, you know, have an incredible mobile uh, platform. We have over 100 million times a month. Our members are engaging with us across our uh, digital platforms. And we believe that that's a winning combination. Um, There is no doubt to me that 
Life insurance continues to be distributed via an agent model. And I think that too uh, will continue to be relevant. But I do believe the growth is in mobile and digital. And I believe it's going to force us to simplify our products to accommodate the new platforms and the distribution across those platforms. Do you see embedded products for USAA going forward so it's easier to reach some of the members and simpler underwriting, that type of thing? Or do you not see embedded insurance as part of USAA? No, we do see embedded insurance as a way forward. In fact, we launched our first essential term product uh, late last year, which is a simplified underwritten uh, product. And our plan is to embed it into the digital flow for renters and homeowners insurance. And so the plan is to reach beyond, you know, members that are looking for life insurance immediately to quite frankly, have a more frictionless experience as they purchase property or auto coverage over time. So we think that's, again, a winning combination. And it's how our members think about USA. They don't think about us as a life insurance company or an auto company or a bank. They think of us as USAA and they want to have a seamless experience when they engage with us. Do you see the entrance of Google and Amazon to the insurance marketplace changing the way carriers see distribution? You know, here's how I think of disruptors. And, you know, I'd put Amazon and Google in that is you can't argue with their reach and their scale. And you can't argue with the disruption that that would be forced across our industry. But the basic needs are the basic needs for our products and services. And even though they can impact the distribution, and I think they will impact the distribution over time, it still requires the products, it still requires the service, it still requires the lifelong liability to put on balance sheets. So there is no doubt distribution is changing. And as I mentioned, to me, digital distribution is the accelerator here. I think Amazon and Google are great examples of that. The last thing maybe I would mention is, Digital distribution was on many people's roadmaps, and then COVID shut the world down, and all of a sudden, it became the main thing on many people's roadmaps to replace lost distribution. So a lot of these companies have invested significantly to accelerate their pace in digital. I believe that's going to pay off in a big way for the industry here over the next few years. That's great. Brandon, what will carriers need to do to stay competitive in this new environment? Well, it sounds really basic, but I would start with listening to their customers. You know, if you think of this industry, this industry has served a very noble purpose for many, many years. And it's about serving our customers and covering needs that they can't cover themselves I don't believe as an industry, we do a great job of listening to our customers. I believe that we do a great job of rolling out bells and whistles and a whole bunch of new shiny objects. But when it comes down to it, what problem are we trying to solve for our customers? I think about that as it relates to maybe great examples. In 2008, 2009, USAA rolled out deposit at mobile, right? And so you think about the transformation that occurred of depositing a check via your mobile phone. It really was very 
simple. We listen to our customers. Our customers deploy all over the world and they can't drop by a bank branch. So it was a real simple example of listening to our customer and quite frankly, serving them in a service that's different than a product, but does lead to product acquisition. What do you see as the main barriers to growth and innovation just for the industry in general? Well, this industry is a risk adverse industry and and it's somewhat insulated because, you know, our liabilities are long, our uh, barriers to entry look like we're regulated across 50 states with 50 state insurance commissioners. And I think these factors make this industry somewhat conservative in nature. It's not something that can't be overcome, but there is also antiquated admin systems and other elements that quite frankly, have a lot of technical debt that make it difficult to come in and all of a sudden be a player at scale that would be required to compete for the future. I think, you know, if you look at some of the interesting startups and, you know, most of them have have uh, joined and some have recently started or purchased their own uh, life insurance company, and they're starting to not just distribute, but manufacture. I think that's going to be an interesting model to, to continue to watch. So my my summary would be, it is a difficult to enter market. It is not insurmountable. And I think that you know through innovation, and quite frankly, just sheer grit and perseverance, we can continue to have new entrants into this market. Okay. So for... Uh... Carriers to embrace innovation and transformation, do you think it's truly important to do those tech partnerships, especially with insurance carriers generally having so much tech debt? Well, I think it's important to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I think it's important to know that you know many of the insure techs can help you get to market sooner. And I think in those situations, you know, you can use it as an accelerator. For me, innovation is, you know, I think of it in terms of kind of constant innovation. What are we doing in the product space? What are we doing in the electronic medical record space to say yes to more of our members? And then what are we doing in the big strategic bets that are, you know, vastly different than where we've been that we think can, quite frankly, put us on a different trajectory? So, I do think the risk of believing that all of your innovation lives in-house is can be dangerous, and I think it can slow your pace. So there's some really great partners out there that can help accelerate your innovation and transformation, but there's also a lot of them. So my advice would be to uh, you know pick your partners smartly because they're going to stay with you for a long time, and it's going to you know, make a, a difference in your value proposition. What is USA? a life doing to stay relevant? Yeah, well, it's an important point because to me, when when you ask a question of staying relevant, I think of it in two dimensions. The first is relevant to our members. What are we doing to listen and solve their problems and relevant to creating scale in these businesses? You can come at them together, but sometimes differently. If I think about relevance to our members, I'll go back to examples I've given already on remote uh, deposit capture. If you think of the first, you know, we don't know exactly for sure that we were the first, but we believe we were the first to be able to digitally sign a life insurance application 
you know, back in 2012 timeframe, 10 timeframe, somewhere in there. And then we do know that we were the first to be able to mobile apply via your mobile device. So for us, it's a lot of being able to purchase these products in a very different way. Our future is around electronic medical records. You know, a lot of our members, of course, are, you know, veterans and they have medical records strung across the United States and getting those records are really difficult. So buying life insurance is very difficult. So electronic medical records allows us to move, you know, a month's process into minutes. And we are building infrastructure with a few of our partners that allow us to auto decision those electronic medical records and be able to instant issue. So we think that is a a major element of relevance in the future. If I think about our annuity line, you know, we recently launched uh, distributing our annuities through third parties. And today we distribute through a very strong partnership with Fidelity and Charles Schwab. We're very proud of those relationships And so for us, that's very different. We've been a direct model. This was the first time we've put our product on the shelf of someone else. And honestly, two brands that are just iconic in nature. And that's what we're very proud of. And it's uh, gone extraordinarily well. And maybe the last piece is, you know, our relationship uh, that we're continuing to develop in the health space with Humana. And later this year, we'll actually white label a product with Humana, a Medicare Advantage product. They'll sell it on their shelf. Their agents will sell it. It'll have a USA co-brand with Humana. So these are all examples of ways that we're thinking about distribution, both products we manufacture, we sell other carriers' products, they sell our products, and we white label and they sell a white label product through um, a USA relationship. So those are all examples of, I think, remaining relevant through product and distribution development. What is your opinion about the future of insurance regulations and compliance as we know it today? Yeah. You know, I, I might have a bit of a different opinion than most in the industry. And it's primarily from where I sit. I sit in a company that is uh, highly regulated. Uh, we have a $120 billion bank and we we have you know OCC and a Federal Reserve regulation. We think of regulation and compliance as a way to scale into the future. And if you think about it, we can actually build our processes, we can digitize our processes, we can automate our processes, and we get more efficiency over time. And we also get a very consistent member experience. So we take a lens that I think is maybe a little bit different than the industry of we want to automate our business. We want to do so in a compliant, in a regulated fashion, and we build our processes um, that way. There is no doubt we watch federal regulation. You look at 7702 and kind of the best interest elements. We do approach our advice that way for our members to ensure that you know we're leading with best interests first. So we again, to me, we have a very strong risk and compliance posture at USAA, and I think it, I think it really comes from the fact that we are a top five PNC company, a top thirty federal savings bank in the U.S., and a top twenty five life insurance company, all regulated very differently. What type of strategic partnerships do you see working best for carriers? 
you know, I mentioned earlier our relationship with Fidelity, our relationship with Charles Schwab. You know, I talked about our, uh, we have a relationship with Humana. We have a relationship with Victory Capital. And those are all examples of areas where we either could not scale through our investment management company and chose to have a strategic relationship with Charles Schwab and Victory Capital who could scale and could give a vast assortment of products that we were unable to develop. So for me, what those look like are products that either we can get to market to sooner or best in breed across the industry where, quite frankly, we just can't compete from an efficiency or an effectiveness perspective. So similar in the Med Advantage space with Humana, similar on distribution with, of course, Fidelity, which is just an incredible distributor of annuities for their customers. And we stand alongside that. So I think what's going to be really important for any executive in the insurance industry or retirement industry is to know what you're good at, where you have an advantage, where you don't. And quite frankly, even if you were to build it, it would take too long. And I think you start moving to the right answer, which is strategic partnerships that allow you to scale and move at a quicker pace. What do you see as the biggest opportunity for the insurance industry over the next three to five years? Well, I I think the biggest uh, opportunity today is the same that it was 10 years ago, which is quite frankly, we're distributing less life insurance products today than we ever have before. And and that's more of a percentage of Americans than own our products. And so our process is antiquated. And I think we've made a lot of great movement as we simplified our underwriting process. But I think more innovation needs to happen there so that we can quite frankly reach the consumers that aren't a big part of our business, which look like millennials, you know, persons of color, women, women head of households, right? These are all elements that I think we need to develop products, distribution channels, and quite frankly, content and advice that are very specific to, I think, these growing segments that are going to become a part of where we're headed. I think the other element too is Our industry has not done a great job of nurturing and servicing these relationships. So we're so focused on the next product you're going to buy or buying again that we don't do an exceptional job of servicing the contracts that you have via digital, via moving of money and other elements. So I think that is an area of opportunity where we need to build a digital experience so that our consumers and our members can see their contracts, their products, understand who their beneficiaries are, and be reminded of why they bought that product to begin with. And uh, I just think that's a miss today where other industries do a better job than we do of uh, staying meaningful in that relationship beyond the purchase of the product. What's the best decision you made that had a positive impact on your career? The best decision I've made is probably less about me and more of people that I worked for giving me opportunities I was not yet ready for. And if you think of, you know, all of us, someone took a chance on us, gave us an opportunity when maybe we were 50%, 60%, maybe 30% ready and gave enough support 
to give you confidence, but enough space to allow you to find your way and fail a bit and grow. So for me, you know, it does take two to tango. So you've got to believe, you've got to step into that space. You've got to be a constant learner and you got to surround yourself with people that are competent, confident, and quite frankly, are high in integrity that will care enough about you to give you feedback and coach you and help you continue your own development. What advice would you give to somebody who's looking to get into the financial industry other than maybe what you just said? Here's what I would say. Pick a great company, right? And the truth is I'm very blessed and I picked a great company, you know, back in 1996 and seven, and it's been an incredible opportunity. You know, these are long-term commitments that these companies are making and you as a sales representative are in essence talking to people about. And so ensuring that the company isn't not around or not around, it's more of the question of servicing and developing that relationship. And so I I would say be very selective with the company that you choose. The second is, I think, take what you can learn And that's good and bad from those that you work with. Everyone has something to give. Sometimes you want to learn them and sometimes you don't, but you can pick and choose what works and what you want to emulate and what you don't want to emulate. And I think if you look at every interaction with folks that work around you as an opportunity to grow, you know, I think that's a great uh, way of looking at it. It's an incredible industry. We should be very proud of it. And I I think it's a great industry to uh, attract new talent as well. From a professional standpoint, what keeps you up at night? I think the long-term growth projections, right? Which is, you know, we have had a lot of innovation. We've had a lot of product development. And the truth is we're serving less of the population today than we did 10 years ago. And so the question is, are these products past their prime? or not? And how can we think differently about these products into the future? So, you know, I give a lot of thought as to how we remain relevant into the future. I think also the needs are changing and buying a product to invest in every month or to have a 20-year product that covers you for 20 years, you know, life changes a lot in 20 years. So really how we can change with our consumer and our member to remain an important part of their financial future. So I think that's that's the key. And maybe the last thing I would say, I give a lot of thought to the talent needed to build the company of the future. And if you think about when I joined uh, 25 years ago in the life insurance company, there are a lot of underwriters and claims representatives and sales representatives. And if you think about today, there's still those important roles as well, but digital designers, IT coders, it's a very different talent market today than it was 25 years ago. So the question is, what are we going to do to attract those type of skills to come into our industry versus going to work for Meta or Amazon or Google? And so it needs to be a mission-driven Values based, I think, doing good because our 
consumers need these products. So I do give a lot of thought on how do we get new skill sets and quite frankly, advanced skill sets into our industry for the future. Brandon, thank you for your time today. It's been great to hear your insights on how carriers can stay relevant and the opportunities you see for the industry in the next few years. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Sandy. It's been great and uh, look forward to connecting soon. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to subscribe and share so we can stay in touch. If you would like to learn more about how global corporate solutions and global corporate leaders can help your organization recruit the best talent, increase your diversity, and save money, please visit our website at www.thegclgroup.com.